Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy Coleman, your host. And before we jump right into the substance of this week's episode, I wanted to just clear out a few housekeeping items uh, before we do. And the first is, as you may know, the Christian Emergency Podcast is a production of the Christian Emergency Alliance, a nonprofit. And if you haven't already taken a moment to follow us on Facebook or Twitter or just check out what we're doing, posting stories that affect the Christian community around the world, I'd encourage you to go there and check it out. Again, that's going to be under the Christian Emergency Alliance if you're looking us up. Go ahead and feel free to comment. Fire questions to us. You might think of things that we're not addressing. You might know of an individual that could use some help or have some attention drawn to their case. By all means, reach out to us on social media. We'd love to follow up and to hear from you. Uh, So please take a moment to do that if you have not already. Also, if these episodes of the Christian Emergency Podcast have been helpful to you, do us a huge favor by taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review. This is going to help others to be able to find us easily, to hopefully be blessed by the material as well. And don't forget to tell others about it. Maybe your family and friends could hear some of this and, and grow spiritually uh, but maybe it's your pastor, your missions pastor, your co-workers, maybe total strangers. But any help you can provide spreading the word of this podcast would be greatly appreciated. Because here's the present reality. We as Christians, we as the church, we face some troubles right now and we're, we're weak in some respects. We have a lot of room to grow and theologically. We have room to grow missiologically or in missions and what we're doing to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And also in our preparations for persecution, our willingness to suffer for Christ. And these are precisely the areas that the Christian Emergency Podcast is trying to strengthen the church, to help the church. And the good news is these can all indeed be strengthened. and They can be strengthened fairly quickly. We have all the tools at our disposal that we need. We have God, of course. We have the Bible. The Spirit is with us. We have prayer. We have access to the King through prayer. And we have the church. We have one another. We have insights that we can glean from, insights from believers around the world who have faced circumstances that are new to us but might be coming our way. This is all at our disposal. It's what we're trying to tap into on the Christian Emergency Podcast and provide to you guys, provide that content that's going to be helpful to you today and in the years to come. That's our goal. So just encourage you guys to get after all of that. So with all that said, let's turn to today's episode. It's going to be a little bit different, but we're going to be diving into what happens when Christians essentially refuse to compromise on biblical truth. The reality is they're going to pay a price. Uh, This is the case whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, a worker, or even a pastor. And that's where we're going to focus our attention today on today's episode. I want to introduce you to one such pastor who is paying a price, a steep price, right now, today, this is going on, and he's paying that price for refusing to compromise, refusing to bend a knee on biblical teachings, on biblical truth. He's just not caving to political correctness. 
And I'm not talking about a pastor in Iran. I'm not talking about a pastor in China leading a house church movement. This is indeed a pastor from the West, specifically from Germany. His name is Pastor Olaf Letzel. He's the pastor of St. Martin's Church in Bremen, Germany. Now, St. Martin's is a well-known church in Germany. It's about 800 years old, which is crazy for me to think about. But Pastor Letzel is paying a price right now, and I would love to have him on the air right now. I'd love to be interviewing him, but unfortunately, he's not allowed to. He's under a gag order. It's it's just not possible right now with what he's going through. So we'll unpack some of that and share some of that. But just because he can't speak doesn't mean that we can't speak. So we need to get smart on what's going on with him so we can be prayerful on his behalf, on behalf of his family and his church, but also so that we can be thinking through and processing these circumstances and how they might relate to us, how they might factor into our own churches, our own lives. That's what we're going to be looking at. So let's add some context to this discussion, since we don't have him here to introduce himself or the circumstances he finds himself in. For several years, Pastor Leitzel has roundly been attacked by the media. He's been hounded by local government authorities, and amazingly, or not so amazingly, he's been denounced by other German pastors. Why? Like I hinted at earlier, he did not compromise on biblical truth. He did not bend that knee to political correctness. So, for example, in the past, he has spoken out on certain things that he disagreed with from a biblical perspective. For example, he spoke out against a movement in Germany that started several years ago called the House of One movement. Now, this movement claimed that Muslims and Christians all worship the same God. And what Pastor Leitzel pointed out was actually the obvious, is that the Bible directs us to the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is different than the Allah that we read about in the Quran. And Allah had no son. Uh, these are very different, and he pointed that out and, and spoke out about this idea, this movement to try to mesh them, to force them into one one. That really wasn't true. And even if you were to speak to Muslims, Muslims would confirm that, and they would they would affirm that that's not that's not accurate, that's not true. In the past, he's also spoken out uh, when when things would happen at churches. For example, there was kindergartens that were part of the church in Germany, and these kindergartens were celebrating. So these little kiddos were celebrating. Muslim festivals. Sometimes even they weren't celebrating Christian, you know, activities or holidays, but they were celebrating Muslim festivals. And he thought something was wrong about that. He spoke up about that and he was not well received by many in the community and many in the church. And he has also spoken out that homosexuality is a sin. He's very clear that he does not have a problem with gay people in his community and in a sense, he says yes to the sinner, but no to the sin. And he has even gone out to share that if he were to encounter a gay person being persecuted, he would be among the first to stand up and physically try to defend that individual, that he would try to help them out and that it would be wrong uh, to do things like that against gay people. But because he has taken a position that homosexuality is sin, as taught in the Bible, he has come under rigorous fire in Germany. For these biblical stands that he's taken, he's been denounced and called this really ugly term. It's called he, They call him a hate preacher. 
They call him a hate preacher. And like I said, even some pastors, even a local bishop in the German church called him a hate preacher for those stands. Now, unfortunately, he's been ridiculed like that across Germany. It's an insult, but that's that's what they've slapped him with. And so, for example, whenever newspapers in Germany write about him, they're quick to include this reference. They're quick to try to demean him and his views. I think I want to pause real quick and just point out that some of this pressure, which is, you could argue it's not persecution per se, because it doesn't rise to a certain level. What I'm describing doesn't rise to a certain level. But in a sense, it's very mild persecution. And what's upsetting is that if you notice, when the pastors are involved, when other bishops are involved, it is a sense of persecution coming from within the church. I think that's something we need to think about and process. If we as Christians, wherever we are, whatever country we we are in, if we take a stand on biblical grounds, even gracious stands, you know, as ambassadors for Christ, gracious stands that are not hateful, that are not ugly, but by doing so, we very well might attract the fire of others who represent themselves as Christians, maybe even Christian leaders. They might be the ones calling us out the loudest, and it's this pressure and ugliness that could come from within the church itself. So that's that's a reality we have to confront, the possibility that that might happen. So like I said, I really wish I could have Pastor Leitzel on to interview for this podcast. He speaks pretty well uh, in English. There's There's video out there of him sharing, so it would have been a real blessing for us. And perhaps... Once the gag order has been lifted, we can get him on and be blessed by his perspective. But for, for right now, we are just left with kind of this overview of what he's facing. So let's get into the specific charge. This all rose up about a year ago. Recently, he has been charged by a local German prosecutor on charges of sedition. That's pretty serious and sounds scary. If you're not already aware, sedition is defined, I looked this up in just an online dictionary, is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. It's like I said, it's pretty serious. It seems to have this treasonous stain to it. Uh, So what was it that Pastor Leitzel did that was so awful that it rose to the charge of sedition? Well, one year ago, he led a marriage retreat That's right, a marriage retreat for around 30 Christian couples. Now, during that marriage retreat, it was videotaped, so other people outside of the retreat got to see it. But Pastor Leitzel made some comments uh, that there were some agitators from the gay pride parade that were active, and he even called some of them criminals or gangsters. Now, why did he refer to some of these individuals as criminals or gangsters? Well, because these particular individuals from the LGBT community had threatened and bullied Pastor Leitzel for years. They had called him horrific names and slurs. Someone vandalized his car. They vandalized his church with graffiti. They threatened to destroy his church. That's right. They threatened to destroy St. Martin's Church. And they even issued death threats to him. Yes, death threats. Does that sound familiar to you? For our listeners, it should. If you haven't already, go back and listen to episode 7. It's called Don't Torch This Church. Pastor Josh Williamson in England talks about 
a very similar pattern that he confronted um, on this same issue. Almost the exact same fact patterns, but that's what Pastor Leitzel was encountering. And that's this isn't really an isolated event. Like I said, this happened, we recorded a podcast about this same type of phenomenon in England, outside of Germany, but also in the West. And what happens is, this is, this is a broader pattern of hateful treatment of Christians. Those who hatefully attack Christians are, in these cases, often guilty of projection. Projection, that is, they accuse those they disagree with of the very things that they are doing. So they brand those they want to silence. Those that, are, those that they hate, they brand as hateful. And they'll brand them as hate preachers, or like, like we saw with Pastor Leitzel. And now, sadly, sometimes this works. Sometimes this does silence the Christian or silence the pastor or frighten a pastor or a believer from speaking on these issues. But in my experience, when this does work, it's usually because the Christian was simply shocked at being called such an ugly name. They hate being called that name. They hate being referred to as hateful, even if they're not. And it just shocks their system. They, they can't process it. They simply want to stop being bullied. They want the name-calling to stop, so they abandon whatever position they held. Now, this is why it's so important for us to be prepared. This is what why we must know ahead of time, not when it hits us, but ahead of time, so that before we hear ugly names being directed at us, that we can already know the biblical truth, the biblical truth that was described in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. If the world hates you, it reads, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, end quote. We should never allow ourselves to buy into the lies of others. If you're going to be able to stand for Christ, you must expect this kind of treatment, this kind of abuse, this kind of ugliness. Because when you do expect it, and it happens, you're not going to be frustrated. Frustration is simply the product of unmet expectations. If you or I expected everything to be rosy and wonderful following Jesus Christ, and then you got called names or someone spray-painted obscene scenes or words on your car or your home or your church, you'd get frustrated, and you'd either react poorly or you just would cave. You'd walk away. But if you expected ugliness and hardship, and you were harassed, you encountered that harassment, you, you encountered that property damage, that vandalism, you'd be like, yep, I was told that would happen, and you'd soldier on. You'd press on, you'd endure. The, the little rounds that would be fired at you by the worldly, by those that are hating you, would simply bounce off of you. In the present case, in the case with Pastor Leitzel, the agitators heaped all kinds of abuse on him. And when he referred to them, again, at this marriage retreat as criminals, they pounced. They called him a hate preacher. And then they essentially hid behind this privileged status that they have in the culture around them and let the media and, in this case, even the local criminal prosecutor come after him. They had to do some twisting of the words, of his words, for example, trying to portray that his reference to these individuals who had harassed him and bullied him, that those words applied to all you know, gay people when that was not the, the intents or the context. And that's what happens. And so now Pastor Leitzel finds himself in a lawsuit. 
He's unable to speak publicly in his defense, and this is the situation he finds himself in. He finds himself in a court of law on charges of hate speech. The local judge recently agreed with the prosecutor and decided to punish him. I, I don't know all the details of this, but I believe he was slapped with a significant fine. And now he's waiting. He's waiting to hear what the church decides to do with him. They might throw him out of the church for taking biblical stance at a marriage retreat. And like I said, he's not even allowed to speak publicly right now. Though in time, he should be able to do so, and it'll be fascinating to hear more from his perspective directly. Now, the good news. His congregation and many thousands of other Christians from around Germany and even the world have been extremely supportive of him. They shared their love. They shared their support and their concern. And I know that that must mean a lot to him. Working in the Middle East with persecuted Christians in North Africa and Central Asia, one of the patterns we saw frequently was when Christians were harassed, abused, or persecuted, they often felt isolated and all alone. And we as Christians need to combat that. We need to combat that. We need to remind those who are going through trials and hardships that they're not forgotten. They're not alone. They're connected to this thing called the church. They're part of the body of Christ. We love them and we can pray for them. Just knowing that there's Christians going through hard times out there, we can pray in the blind. So when you say your prayers, when you go to, to God, when you go to the Father in your quiet time, you can just remember them and, and know that there are people suffering for their identity in Christ or for their act of faith in Christ. And we can just pray for them, even though we may not know their names. An interesting dynamic in this present case is that there are many Russian German believers who have been extremely supportive of Pastor Letzel. When I say that, these were Russians who are of German descent who returned to Germany after the Soviet Union collapsed around 1990. They've expressed their support. I don't know all the details there either. I don't know if it's because they've seen hard-knuckle tactics in the Soviet Union or pressure against the church there in those earlier years. That might be what's going on, and they're just um, expressing their solidarity with the pastor, but I do believe that that has been a huge help and encouragement to him. And also, while we're processing all of this, let's just remind ourselves of Germany and Germans, you know, the German place in church history. This is the birthplace of the Reformation. Historically, it's been a major launching pad for Christian missions throughout the world. But now this country, Germany, is clouded by a spiritual darkness, as is much of the Western world today. Really, across the globe, the spiritual darkness exists. And things are changing fast in Germany, as they are across the West and North America. Things are moving very at a very rapid clip. You know, older pastors in Germany who are believers would likely express that they never expected that all of this could turn so quickly. They just didn't see it. Well, why? Well, 30 years ago, three decades ago, seems like a long time, but really it's not. But 30 years ago, the Berlin Wall came down. In a sense, the free world had prevailed in the Cold War against communism, socialism, and tyranny. West Germany was reunited with East Germany. It was a time when all things seemed possible. A lot of prayers were answered. People that had been in East Germany, including Christians, which had really you know, been punished, under the socialists, 
they were now reunited and it seemed like a hopeful new chapter in Germany was opening. And in many respects, it was. But I've heard this perspective as well. But while the West Germans technically won, the ideas of the socialists in East Germany, even though they were show, shown to be bankrupt, they were disastrous for the people of East Germany, and yet those ideas have subtly infiltrated the rest of Germany. They've expanded across Europe, and they've, they've even found you know, fruitful grounds in America and other countries around the world. There are people that have their ears tickled by the promises of socialism, but they don't know this context. Also for context for our listeners, the German Protestant Church is essentially a quasi-official state church. It has maybe over 20 million members or so, but it's very liberal. And in broad swaths, it's largely abandoned biblical truth. I've heard some German Christians estimate that perhaps only two, maybe three percent of German Protestants are born-again believers. In other words, only two or three percent of that church is composed of biblical Christians. In that church, most would claim to be Christian, but really what they're attending is maybe a, a Christmas service here and there. Maybe they plan to have a Christian funeral, but that might be about it. And while it's a shell of its former self, Germany still does provide support for theological initiatives and even missions initiatives around the world. That means they're pumping money and resources and people into some of these programs. But this is concerning because the liberal policies of that church, the essentially the non-believing policies of that church, are being advanced. These policies might applaud popular culture, but from a theological standpoint, they're not faithful. And yet they're being promulgated around the world. Um, so this could potentially pose problems, which we recognize with the Christian Emergency Alliance, and we talk about on the Christian Emergency Podcast, is that these areas that the, the body of Christ is vulnerable are all interrelated. Our, our theological understanding, our knowledge of the Word of God, the missions, the health of missions, and the theology that's taught on the missions field, and also our preparation and our willingness to suffer and be persecuted for the cause of Christ. So that's a lot. This is what's going on in Germany right now. But how can we help? I think the most profound way that we can help right now is to pray for Pastor Leitzel, to pray for his family, pray for his congregation, and also for faithful pastors and Christians across Germany and Europe. More good news is that Pastor Leitzel's church, St. Martin's Church, it's a solid church. It has the resources, it has the finances, and it it has the spiritual backbone for the fight that they find themselves in. We definitely have to provide prayer covering for them, but they have the capacity to take this on and to take this stand. In fact, it's been speculated that this might be one of the reasons that God has allowed them to walk through this trial, is that they have the ability, the tools that they need to defend truth. They need to defend truth for themselves, for Pastor Leitzel, and for others. And we at the Christian Emergency Alliance will be monitoring this situation. And if those you know, circumstances change, we will certainly notify you, our listeners, of, of those changes. But the stakes are high. You know, Pastor Leitzel has been encouraged by Christian attorneys inside Germany to, to take this stand. And even if he loses you know, initial rounds, to continue that stand up through the appellate courts. Because they recognize that if he loses overall it will essentially become illegal 
for pastors in Germany to even speak of homosexuality as a sin. And once that precedent is in place, there's no telling what else authorities in Germany or in other parts of Europe will disapprove of and thus deem illegal in a powerful way, muzzling the church and their ability to be the church, particularly in the public square. A couple takeaways before we close this episode. This is one of our pastors. This is not an issue just for German Christians. This is one of our brothers in Christ. We are one body of believers. So if you were tempted to just slough this off and think that this is something that just pertains to Germany, that just pertains to Europe, it's not true. This is one of your brothers in Christ who's going through trouble, who's under pressure and under attack. If you're listening to this and you're a pastor, another takeaway would be that just as you see your, your brother, Pastor Leitzel, taking these stands, you need to commit today. You need to commit now to faithfully preaching Christ and his word, regardless of what popular culture around you affirms. I think that this is a, a real important takeaway from the example of Pastor Leitzel. And like we discussed earlier in this program, it's not going to be sufficient to wait until the pressure builds or to get you know surprised by an attack uh, to make this decision on how we're going to be faithful, how we're going to walk through that fire and you know, stand for Christ. We must be faithful, even if it costs us the applause of man and attracts insults. Even if some of those insults come from within the church, including Christian leaders that we look up to, we have to be faithful to Christ first and foremost. And I think this is particularly relevant for churches that have adopted what you might describe as a seeker-sensitive approach to attracting people in the communities around them. They should be cautious about this. I would encourage them to intentionally take stock of what you as pastors, as leaders are saying, or maybe what you're not saying because you don't want to offend the, the popular sensibilities around you as a shepherd of your own flock. Let's not be fooled into thinking this is a problem just in Germany. This can happen to any pastor in the world, in any country of Europe, in Canada, in the United States, in Australia, wherever it may be. Persecution is not coming to the West. Persecution is already here, but be encouraged. We are in this together, and it's a joy to be in this together. God is also always with us. We are never alone. We never have to fend for ourselves. But let's be praying for Pastor Leitzel, like I said. Let's pray for what's going on and that God would move powerfully in his circumstances to bring revival to Germany, to bring revival to Europe, and that more people may praise his name tomorrow, that his name, the name of Jesus Christ, would be famous, that God would redeem this situation. That's all we have for today's episode of the Christian Emergency Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.